0: Welcome back to Sermon Notes. This is our weekly podcast where we are following along with our teaching series here at Fellowship Fayetteville, and we're just trying to, to to help you and help us to understand the passage better. It's really pretty simple, and with that in mind, uh, every week we are looking at some of the stuff that just goes a little deeper into the passage, some of the stuff that maybe we didn't have time to cover uh, on our Sunday morning uh, services. And we hope this is helpful for you as you're uh, studying this personally in discipleship or in a community group or so group. Uh, I'm Garland. And my name's Tad. I serve on the student ministry team here at Fellowship Fayetteville. And we're, we're, we're jumping into chapter two of yes. this letter uh, from uh, the apostle paul to his friend timothy and by extension this little church this little, little house church in ancient ephesus part of the roman empire Uh, in modern-day Turkey. And uh, where we're coming off from last week, uh, Paul had this uh, this short little digression where he almost couldn't help but unpack some of his story and the gospel, the mercy of God being dispensed to him. That was chapter 1, 12 to 17. And then he dives back into some of his instruction to Timothy in this church at Ephesus, starting in chapter 1, verse 18. And he's going to continue that here in chapter 2. So I'm going to read it. How about that? And then uh, uh, we'll dive in and look at some of the stuff, uh, some of the deep stuff in this Passage. So here's what he says. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I'm not lying. And a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. So, uh, Tad, kind of walk us through, what, what's Paul doing here? Like, what's his argument? How does this passage break down?
1: Yeah, I think you can kind of break this um, passage into kind of two sections. Of one, he, he's, he's giving them a command that he wants them to pray, and he, he wants prayer to be a central part of the way that they're relating um, to each other, and even, I think, kind of by extension to the, the outside community around them in Ephesus. And then he kind of centers them back on the purpose where he gives kind of a summary of the gospel. And I, I think this is is key because it, it fits into the larger narrative in 1 Timothy of giving Timothy good advice on how to deal with some of these false teachers that are promoting, uh, unsound doctrine. And he's saying, bring it, bring it back to what God's purpose is. Uh, and so uh, they're, they're, clear some people here that maybe the kind of their public interactions with the city have gotten off. And if you read back in Acts 19, um, I don't think, I think it actually kind of using gives us some context for why this is important to Paul, that there's a lot of scrutiny about the uh, the Christians in Ephesus um, before Paul left things ended in a riot because um, so much had gotten flipped upside down in Ephesus by the people uh, choosing to follow Jesus and and not serve uh, Artemis, the, the cult goddess there um, that a riot started. And so a lot of scrutiny around the church, and I think um, Paul's wanting to help Timothy bring it back of how should the church, um, first and foremost, interact, um, especially with their city. And then even we see that in verse two, that with kings and those in authority of even with maybe some of their their leadership in, in the empire of Rome that they're living in. Um, and so first and foremost, he says, first of all, I, I want you to pray. And he gives four kind of pieces of, uh, or kind of different angles of you to pray, petitions or... or uh, coming to God with needs and, and, and making supplications for others or, or even yourself, begging God to act, uh, prayer and communicating with God and worship, intercession or conferencing with God and aligning your heart with him and then giving thanks to God. And he's saying, I want you to pray for all people. Uh, no excuses. Everyone you come in contact with, every human being, I want you to pray, even, uh, and this is where the, this passage gets really kind of interesting, even uh, for your
0: kings and those in authority. So it might be helpful to just get... Put some history glasses on here. Kind of dive into the history history book for a sec, because you know conservative scholars believe that Timothy is writing, uh, or Paul is writing this to Timothy, uh, uh, probably somewhere in the early 60s AD. And in the 60s AD, at this time, the king is Nero. And, uh, from what we can gather about Nero, uh, he was kind of weird. Um, Nero, uh, a lot, a lot of actual historians think that he had some kind, he might've even had some sort of psychological problems. Definitely. We might say he at at minimum was narcissistic as I'll get out. Uh, Nero, um, Nero was a, a king that persecuted, uh, an emperor that persecuted the church. Um, he is one that, uh, Many think started this big fire in Rome to basically expand his palace kingdom, his kind of palace, uh, his palace uh, establishment, his palace court, uh, and then blame the Christians. And so Nero was deified, particularly in this part of uh, the Roman Empire, the farther east you went uh, away from Rome, the more kind of the legend and mythology mm-hmm. about the emperor grew. And Nero loved that. Uh, he didn't tamp that down. In fact, he enjoyed it. And so here comes Paul, and this is strange. Yeah, pray for that guy. Pray for even says. that guy. Even him. Yeah,
1: which would have been difficult. I think if I was a Christian living in Ephesus, dealing with maybe some of the repercussions of persecution towards Christians at Nero's command. Uh, but what's really interesting, and if, if you're if you've got your Bible with you and you're listening to this, um, circle the word four kings there because, um, like like Garland said the emperor in, in Rome would have been kind of deified. And actually the expectation would be not that you would pray for your emperor if you're a, an Ephesian citizen, but that you would make prayers to the emperor and that you would worship him, that he would receive your prayer in Thanksgiving. and Thanksgiving. And there's a little kind of shift there that Paul's telling the, the Christians, don't don't yes, don't pray to him, but we're going to pray for him. And we're going to pray for those in authority over us. Uh, even if there are enemies, which is very in line with Jesus' teachings to to pray for our enemies and to love even our enemies.
0: So this is a strange, Paul gives us a so that. So he says, I want you to do this. Um, here's my so that. I have a reason for you. Mm, the purpose in it, yeah. The, the reason is, it's the second half of verse two. Uh, the NIV takes it as that. Uh, it's what's called a henna clause. It's the Greek word henna, which means in order that. And It's used often, if, Paul uses it a lot. And it usually means, I'm giving you a purpose statement here. Here's my purpose for the thing that came before for kings and all those in authority in order that for the purpose of, and he gives a reason that we may therefore have peaceful and quiet lives that we might have, uh, that we might live our lives out in godliness Mm -hmm. and holiness. And I think what he's getting at is really actually a pretty simple, smart, intuitive idea. If you're warring against your emperor, if you're Mm -hmm. warring against the authorities, they're going to come and want to smash you. So pray for them. And try to live a quiet life. Don't don't always be about the latest controversy. Always be about yeah. trying to overturn uh, even this pagan, this vile pagan emperor. Paul says, you have a different calling than that. And if you're always up in arms about the thing going on with Nero, if you're always up in arms about the Roman authorities over you, then... A, you're putting yourself in danger, uh, but B, you won't walk with what he calls godliness and dignity. And it brings up something that you and I talk about a lot: uh, what what we often call the way of the exile. You want to unpack that?
1: Yeah, and so just kind of that that concept or that theme of exile, which you you see a lot in the Old Testament, especially like stories like Daniel and Esther and um, Nehemiah, um, and then we actually get a lot of those themes even in, in Peter's letter, First Peter. Uh, but the way of the exile is is this, that to live as if this is not your home, and yet to balance that with this deep-seated conviction that you should also be the best citizen of of where you live. And so, I don't know, you might summarize um, Jeremiah 29 for us. That's where a, a lot of kind of this language comes that, that kind of motivates that of,
0: I don't know, how would yeah, you? Yeah, Jer- in Jeremiah 29, uh, Jeremiah is a prophet of Israel. He's writing um, in the... Uh, we might say the early sixth century BC. So the early, that always confuses me. So the yeah. five five eighties. Okay, five eighties BC. BC. Yeah. And um, he is he's prophesying to his own nation, saying, the exile's here. Mm-hmm. And the Babylonians are gonna come in, they're gonna wipe out thousands of our friends and family, and they're gonna take us from our homeland, carry us to their land. Uh, we're gonna grow up as refugees, and they cry out to God, God, what do we do? Mm-hmm. And the instruction they receive is this: uh, Okay, you're going into exile, and you're going to grow up as refugees. It's going to be it's it's going to be racked with difficulty and pain. He says, but don't don't try to fight them. Don't try to overthrow Babylon. In fact, he says, hey, plant gardens, plant vineyards. Uh, he says, build houses. Bless the city you find yourself in. And it's actually in that context that he says, hey, I know the plans I have for you. Uh, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Bring you a future and a hope. And what Jeremiah uh, instructs them to do is, and this is what 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 I often tell people when I, when I teach on this is, uh, imagine the way of the exile as like you're carrying a coin in your pocket. And so you've got a coin in your pocket. It's got two sides of this coin. On the one side of the coin, and you see this all over Daniel, for example, in First Peter on the one side of the coin, you plant vineyards and build houses and pray for even Mm -hmm. your pagan oppressor. You are the best citizen. You love the city. Well, you bless the city. Uh, People would say without them in our city, the city would crumble. Uh, The other side of that coin though, is you refuse to bow to the idols of the city and so a great,
1: uh, a great example of that is Dan, be, yeah, Dan Daniel, Daniel Shadrach Meshach and yeah, Abednego. Abednego. They they pray for uh, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. They even serve in his like, court. They serve him, they 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 stay up all night praying for him in in one of the stories early there. And yet whenever he builds this statue to be worshiped, they refuse to pray to him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and that they they won't bend the knee to him and yet they're the best citizens of Babylon mm-hmm. uh, and and it's, I think it's really cool especially in Daniel noticing how prayer is such an important theme throughout those stories and how I think maybe Paul's picking up on some of that of prayer is going to be the thing that that attunes your heart with God. Um, it's I think in our culture, we often, we use prayer as kind of a get out of, like get out of uh, having to care about something. It's like oh, I'll pray for you, and it's like will you though? Or
0: like you actually—that's us <laughs> at our worst. Yeah, we yeah, at our worst. Just, you know, like at a, our worst, just, we definitely do that. But even
1: <laughs> when we see crisis happening or, or 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 conflict in our in our country, I think even like during so, so I'll I'll pray Jesus, pray it's that. like hey, yeah. I'm just going to pray. We for just that. need to yeah. pray for it, and it'll get better. Almost as this type of don't worry about it, and prayer becomes like the kind of like the Lion akuna Matata, like no worries. And that is not at all what what these words. Uh, and here, how Christians ought to pray, like that—that that intercession, that that pleading on behalf of people. And when you do that, when you when you deeply pray and and plead and intercede for other people, you actually begin to care more, and, and and to to want the the good of the city more. And so, praying and interceding and making thanks for all people, even kings and those in authority, ought to lead us to to a place of wanting to seek the best, and it ought to drive actually action of of kind of
0: good uh, Christian citizenship. What's interesting is in verse three, he begins it with, this is good. Mm. And, I, and people all the time, I think say things like, I just want to know what's a, what to, what's a life that God wa- is pleasing mm. to God. What like what, what does God, God want yeah. for me? And the, this, that. and you can draw an arrow, uh, in your Bible, the, this and, and grammatically, uh, it's, it's pretty likely almost certain grammatically what he has in mind in the, by the, by the word this, you can draw an arrow back up to the petitions, prayers, intercessions, mm. thanksgivings. Um, this pleases God, and then He's going to give us a four. Why? Why does this please God? And that's that's this this desire of God to see all people come to know Him. That I'm I'm not just um, a bit player in this nation I find myself, or I'm not just uh, I'm not just been dropped here. I'm a part of this heart of God going out and my prayers, and then my gentle and quiet life, my dignity and and, and and uh, piety, as I live this out in in my culture, that has a direct application to God's heart of loving all people and seeing all people come to know Him. And that puts his, it puts such a different frame on uh, yeah. even the way that I pray, even the way that I live out that way it of the exile. Ties up
1: to what what Paul say in Second Corinthians five about being an ambassador for Christ, yeah. and, and a minister of reconciliation, trying to bring people to knowledge of of God through Jesus and into His kingdom.
0: So I can't, I, I can't, I can't pass verse four up without, uh, without asking this question. This, this is the question that comes up. Mm-hmm. Usually it's somebody who just read a theology book about salvation, uh, whether it be a Calvinist book or an Arminian book, and they just read it. And verse four becomes a, a, a hot button issue for them. Um, and I'll just read it. Uh, God wants all people to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. Uh, and some, there are some even uh, who, would, who would be, we, we might say universalist who would say, see, God wants all people to be saved and come with knowledge of mm-hmm. the truth. That's God's wish and what God wants. God wills; He will accomplish. So, uh, help me make yeah. sense of that, Ted. Uh, how are we? How would you want to handle that? In,
1: in maybe a group setting if somebody brings that up. Um, I, I actually, I think it's uh, when when students in FSM will ask questions like that. I, I, one, as a leader, I like to encourage it. But I think, hey, ask those questions. That's how you're going to learn. Uh, and and we do need to, to a degree, kind of um, learn how to be a place that opens uh, up the the dialogue for these kind of big questions. Um, I love seeing it whenever students do, but, um, um, I think it's, it's good to to balance, uh, this, this verse with what immediately follows it, that God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. But then right after this in verse five it says, for there's one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. And so this, these two verses really kind of, I packaged a lot of the tension of the the larger debate that there is out there kind of between kind of the uh, universalism or, or um, is there only one way or Calvinism does, does God um, select those that are going to be saved and choose them? Or do they get to choice? And and really this doesn't give us a clear cut answer, but it does package some of the tension in there of yes, we, we have a God who deeply desires and longs for all people to come to a knowledge of the truth. And yet he's provided but one way through himself, through Christ Jesus. Uh, And, 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 kind of, I don't know, I would encourage you lead your group or those you're discipling into that tension and just kind of sit with it and see what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, and I, I always remind people, um, and maybe, maybe this is helpful, maybe it's not. Uh, I try to remind people that the Bible is not a theological textbook with bullet points. It's not a theological PowerPoint presentation. Um, Paul is writing this letter to a church in a very difficult city he just came off telling them to pray for the authorities over them that they're terrified of mm-hmm. and that at any moment could could stomp them out and I have a feeling if I'm reading if I'm reading this letter aloud in Ephesus or if I'm Timothy reading this I'm going I don't know if I like what Paul just said mm-hmm. I don't want I don't like those people yeah. I don't like those kings and he and right right after that Paul says hey by the way uh, it's good that you do that. It pleases God. You know why? Because God mm. wants everybody to come to a knowledge of him. And we have to remind ourselves when we read these, some of these hot button little, uh, topic verses like yeah. this one can be, we have to put it back in its context. What is Paul doing in this context? And I think it's something like that. Um, I think that's what Paul has in mind. And while there still are some big questions that we can ask and, I don't. I don't think this is what Timothy's what First Timothy's really addressing. It, there are some big questions that we can yeah. still ask, and that's where we uh, get to look at many different passages of Paul and kind of put all those things together. And this is a good, uh, a good example of what sermon notes this podcast is for. Um, and we have our uh, we believe class or our faith class where we weighed into some of these uh, more theological issues. But let me just encourage you as you're studying this. Um, put yourself in the reader's shoes, mm-hmm. put yourself in Ephesus. That's why we try to do this exercise. What, what does Paul mean here? And as, a, as I even say that I'm reminded, um, and do I have that? Yeah. Do I have that well, that's heart? The deep like, conviction
1: out of this yeah, passage? Do I have
0: the same heart that do God I has actually want about to be saved? the, maybe the person I disagree with or the person that who's in authority of me right now that I go, I, really I don't, I don't trust that person. I don't like that person. Yeah. I know for me, often I have a hard time, with that. Um, this is, this is relevant for us right now. Like I'm, I'm reading this going, man, I'm kind of getting smacked in the face a little bit, uh, especially over these last five, 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it's a heart gut check. I think, uh, for those of us reading this both
1: individually and as a collective, as a church of saying, Hey, the way that we treat each other, the way we treat our city, the way that we deeply pray and interact and and live quiet, godly lives and holiness. says something to a watching world and if God wants all people to be saved are we aligned with that same desire of God's um who, who wants all people to come to know the truth that we live in such a way that actually makes it very evident and mm-hmm. apparent and easy for them to step into and to learn about
0: we might say simply if that's God's heart it ought to be ours it ought to be ours and also it's not mine and so maybe we should let that um maybe drive our discussion or drive our thinking and uh with that in mind um we, we hope this podcast is helpful as you're studying these passages, as we're, as we're trying to just know, uh, understand the Bible better as a church. And so, uh, thanks for listening in. Uh, thanks for studying your Bibles. Thanks for doing discipleship. Uh, thanks for leading small groups and coming and participating. And I hope you've enjoyed listening to sermon notes.